smell something? Put that cookie down! Hello and welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Josh. I'm John Star. We're filmmakers, we're fans, and we're flapping our lips today. We're talking very fast. We're talking dialogue this week. Uh, speaking of dialogue, we are, it's, it's going to be the, uh, that, that pun doesn't work. I was going to try and like do it. That's the title of the it's episode. It's like, what is a transition you're trying to work it in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something, something like speaking that. Speaking of dialogue, let us talk about what we've been watching this week. You can all As tell we're to the non-talking part of the podcast. <laughs> well, we could all just look at each other and be like. And breathe heavily mm, into the mic. Dramatic yeah. looks at the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's just dead air for 30 <laughs> minutes. It's such a deconstruction of the format. Um. So we're talking about what have you been watching? We always ask that. Josh, what have you been watching this week? What have I been watching? Thank you for asking. Shane, I've watched um, two movies. Um, Black Swan. Have you seen that before? In Wait, fragments. What? what is it? So I find... How have you not I know, seen I know, okay, that? Okay. So I know, oh. I know the entire premise of Swan Lake and I've seen bits of it in fragments. So I understand... Got enough of it through context already, but this is the first time I finally sat down Jesus, and watched it all. Jesus, that movie is a fucking... It is now one of my favorite movies yeah. ever. It is so good. I referenced that very heavily for Red Curtain. I, I remember mm. in... Was it what, was it, was it out in high school? No, no, no. It oh, was just at the end of high school. Okay, just because I remember how guys were like, oh man, it's so fucking hard. I remember I saw it with Fuck someone. That. And no, I was like, no. how, how can you find I'm, that? I'm, I am terrified of lesbians now. That shit is <laughs> no, scary, no, man. I'm, I'm lesbians here. are scary. I, I'm <laughs> here for the mind fuck of it all. Because <sighs> I feel like uh, just it's so music. unsettling. Oh, oh it's um, Clint Mansell, right? Yeah, Clint Mansell. Yeah, Mansell, yeah. Clint Mansell. Um, and I love that. Yeah. I love the use of these really claustrophobic tracking. Claustrophobic, um, claustrophobic tracking, um, which he wasn't initially going to do, but he's just like, I'm just going to fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Mm. And, and all the mirror work. All the mirror work in every single shot, uh, except when she's on stage. So that's when she becomes sensitive. Do you, know, do you want a fun fact? Do you want to know how much it costs to ca- take someone out of a mirror? It costs 10 grand to take the cameraman out of a mirror. That's oh, how much oh. you pay. Wait. If you ever need to. Well, what about that's that music video made by What's His Face? Where it's like all along mirrors and the woman's dancing, and then Taylor Swift did the exact same thing like two, three years no, later. I don't, I don't even remember that. This is such a weird sidebar. Anyway, yeah. Black Swan. <laughs> anyway, Black Swan. But yes, yeah, um, yeah. So I just loved it. Loved um, Aronofsky's direction. It is everything. The cinematography. Fuck, is great. I was meant to bring you Mother to watch. Oh, well. oh yeah, thank you. That's oh, right. Well, that's all right. Um, anyway, so moving on. And my next movie I watch is a lot more wholesome from my childhood. The Sandlot. Oh my god! Oh man, yeah. Because I own it on DVD, and that's a um, classic. My girlfriend never saw it before, so she's like, she's like, "What's a Sandlot?" I'm like, "You, you don't know it. Sandlot? I'm going to show you the Sandlot." <laughs> so you need to watch Sandlot. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think she enjoyed it. I was, I was a lot more invested in it, I think, than she was. But you know, it's from my childhood. Um, we both know it, obviously. Yeah, you don't need yeah, to describe yeah. It. yeah. It's a classic. The you know dog. what the Sandlot is? It's a kids' baseball movie. It's really wholesome. Just check it out. Seek think, it out. I wonder if that's why I kind of just like baseball stuff because I'm not big on sports, but I love baseball movies. Yeah, I feel like baseball is an easy game to understand. I think for me, it's baseball, and tennis, and basketball that are like really relatable stuff. Like, you know? Baseball's quite cinematic though, especially with the shapes and the lines and the running in between the things, mm-hmm. as opposed to like tennis, kind of gets really repetitive. It can, whereas you're swapping through. Players a lot in baseball. Yeah, that's why you needed like Battle of the Sexes did it really well, so that was fun. Yes, yeah, Battle um, Cool. But yeah, that's my two watching. Uh, Chancellor, what have you been watching? Uh, so I've watched uh, Black Klansman, uh, which <sighs> lucky. Oh lucky. man, I uh, wow. What I love about it is the fact that it's simultaneously. What's that? I yeah, watched this one too. Well, that's oh. why I brought it up in this episode because I knew you had you were gonna bring it up in this episode. Um, yeah, no, it, it was fantastic. The, the uh, what's his name? Spike Lee can be really hit or miss, and I think 
this is probably my favorite film of his. Comeback. See, yeah. see, I'm kicking myself because I really have. Other than Inside Man, I haven't seen a Spike Lee film. I haven't seen Do the Right Thing. I haven't mm. seen Malcolm X. I haven't seen those big classic ones. And I'm, I saw this. I'm fucking kicking myself because holy shit, he's good. I loved the style. I fact, I love the fact that you used codes and conventions of black exploitation yeah. in this way. It yeah. just worked so well. And then when, and then he'd go against that when he like one of my favorite visual motifs he used because he did like like there was like the dutch tilts the split screens the he had the split choice. screen dutch tilt where like both yes. of them were dutch and then the dutch other the other way it was oh. just really clever but it's the triple cut he did this thing and he did it it's the scene where um uh one of the guys in, when he first meets the clan yeah. and he's like uh we've got n-word everywhere the you know n-word on tv n-word on this n-word on this and he does he shoots that three different things and every instance he cuts on that triple cut. And then he mimics that when the black guy's talking to the students, he says, we, they did this, they did this, yes. they did this. It's yeah. this trip. And I'm like, fuck, that's a powerful, like, like, like the formal control on this movie mm. is batshit insane. The use of the spikely double dolly, which is the person riding on the dolly yep. floating through the scene, mm-hmm. uh, which is his iconic sort of trademark. And the use of it in this one was They so, only used it the one time right at the once, end. Yeah. And it was like, whoa. Oh, Brian Dufford said he so, wanted to use yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. I'm not good enough for it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it sucks though. Have you watched the trailer since watching the movie? No. Completely out of context, but it shows so much of the movie. It shows the end. It shows that shot in the trailer. Jesus. And I'm like, oh man, trailer, that's, you're fucked up. That's good because I've only seen like the first bit of the don't, trailer. Yeah, don't, so, don't, don't yeah. Go, and go and see it on a cinema too. It's I will. really, yeah. oh, absolutely. it's explosive. And the last like three minutes of that mm. movie oh, left me shook. Like it was so yeah. powerful. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the next movie I'm playing. It's such see, an, so. like it's a gloriously angry movie and I really yeah, loved about it. Cool. Um, yeah, sorry. What else um, uh, then I also watched. Watched uh, the spy who loved me, uh, the st- spy who dumped me. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I remember when you saw it, Shane. You yeah, specifically yeah. texted me. This I texted feels you. I said, like a movie you yeah, would I, make. I, the whole time I'm watching, I was watching it, and I said this last episode, um, last a couple <laughs> episodes ago, is that like it, it just it's a, a movie that you would make. Like I was watching, the, I was like, this this is Chancellor's movie. Like, is- <laughs> that, I completely agree, <laughs> uh, and I am jealous that it's already been made because yeah. it was fantastic. I, I really loved it. Uh, I think the comedy really worked, especially since I feel like other than Mission Impossible, spy movies haven't worked in a while. The best Man one- from Uncle, Man spy. from Uncle did, oh, but it, yep. it was like a huge box office failure. No, oh, sorry, worked. I thought you meant worked creatively. Oh, I mean worked creatively and worked uh, box office wise. Spy was good. Spy, spy was good, but it was a comedy. It was a parody of the genre, yeah. and like this is the same thing where it was, uh, but it worked so well, and also balls. I didn't expect to. See balls. <laughs> See so much balls. Chanel was surprised at all the balls. <laughs> but I got to say, uh, I was watching it the entire time. I was like, if I could recast this movie, it would be because they're the exact same two characters as the characters from Broad City. Uh, yeah, I, I could see that yeah, straight up. Yeah. Uh, if it was what do you, what do you call it? Abby and um, Alana? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, Shane, what have you been watching? Ah, oh, the first perfect segue. Fuck off. Let's go on to our main topic. Uh, <laughs> um, so I finally finished The Office. Oh, excellent. Yep. How was it? How was the ending? So it's one of the great American shows. Like oh, it, cool. it literally, like I, I was wary in season eight when Michael had left, but they do a lot of character work, and then season nine has some of the best television character work ever. The last four episodes are so emotional and so well done and it's it 
I was blown away. I'm like, I, I like, I when Zane told us that it was his like favorite show of all, I'm like, yep, I get it now. That's I'll, like I'll, I'll come back to it. I promise. It's like I've top five. Um, and they do a really clever thing with the end episode and everything. It's really, really good. Uh, I started watching a show called Trial and Error, which is like a comedy show, uh, and it's like. They really leaned into the office slash parks and rec thing where it's like a mockumentary. Yeah. Following this this young lawyer who's gone down to like a small town to help a guy who's accused of murdering his wife. And the guy the lawyer's Nicholas D'Agosto from Fired Up. Oh, yeah. Um mm-hmm. he's the dark haired one from mm-hmm. Fired Up. And then the the guy accused of killing his wife's John Lithgow. And then they've got <laughs> uh the lady who plays Tracy Jordan's wife from Thirty Rock. She's in it as this she's like the secretary, but she has like a bunch of psychosomatic illnesses. So she has the one she has like the syndrome where she she sees really beautiful art, she faints, and she she has facial amnesia, so she doesn't recognize anyone every time they walk in. And it's it's, it's the show's not like perfect, but it's 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 funny. And I heard about it because season two has Kristen Chenoweth in it, and apparently she's like mind blowingly amazing. Um, but it's good; it's a good thing. I think they 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 need to trust the format enough. They have an underscore on it. And through, like, you know how they do the piece to camera, the person, the talking heads bits. Yeah. They have music under that. And the problem is, is that it would be funnier without the music. It would be more awkward office style thing without the music. And, but it's like a network show. I get that. But it's fun. And the whole, at least the first season at the moment is this one case. And they're doing bits and pieces of this case. And so it's really, it's, it's, it's good and fun. And it's a, it's a great comedy. We're looking for a new comedy because we finished the office. I'm like, shit, we watched, you know? Yeah. So we, we put that on like, yeah. Um, so in continuing my trend of watching screwball comedies, I watched uh, a movie from 1940 starring Carrie, Carrie Grant called my favorite wife, Beautiful. which is, it's funny. Carrie Grant did my favorite wife, the Philadelphia story, his girl Friday and this other one all in the same year in 1940. It's insane. Busy year. <laughs> very busy year. Uh, my favorite wife is kind of about a guy whose wife is like drowned in a thing. And then seven years later he remarries. And then the wife who he thought was dead comes back and he, oh, that's and great. he can't like, he can't admit to the new one that his old one's back. Cause he's still in love with her. And, <laughs> and it's, you know, shenanigans ensue. Cause he's not, he's not strong willed enough to just tell the truth. Um, and it's funny cause there's a couple of in jokes playing on Cary Grant being gay. Like they always kind of did that in 1940s. Um, and it's a, it's a fun little movie. It's not, it hasn't got a perfect ending, but it's good. Like it's a good solid little screwball comedy. Shane, your, your, um, your, your screwball comedy, it's a specifically a gay screwball comedy. Yes. Are the actors gay at all? Um, good no question. idea. <laughs> Are you going to put little subtle jokes and they're going, oh, they're actually straight. <laughs> I, that'll be, uh, <laughs> that'd be funny, but no, it's, it's a bit too, bit too explicit for the subtext. Um, also, you've only got seven minutes, whereas they had a lot more yeah, to have in jokes. Yeah. Um, and then I watched the first episode of uh, The Omen, which it's oh, on the first, first episode. episode. <laughs> yes, the yeah. Omen, the TV show. No, I watched yeah. the first Omen movie. Well, there movie. is an Omen TV show. There it's is. based on there Damien, but I watched the, the Omen 2. Omen mm. movie because we're getting ready for our horror month. So I'm yep. trying to yep. like plow through all those franchises early. So I'm not doing like what we do with Marvel where I'm doing like four movies in the one day. And oh, just... I'm definitely doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like, I, I couldn't care for the story, but visually it's really, really beautiful movie. And it was interesting to see Patrick Troughton pop up. As yep. a crazy priest. Um, but anyway, so that's what I've been watching. Well, you don't have anything else? Oh, I guess because we've got an Omen month coming up, you don't want to yeah, give no away. Well, I, haven't, well, I haven't watched. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, like I, I like I liked it. I and I think for the time, it's it's good. I think there's a, yeah. We'll, we'll talk more in the Omen episode. Yeah, that there's makes a lot sense. Of course, big yeah. points there. Anyway, so that's what we've been watching. We'll be talking talking of dialogue in in, in just a minute. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back shortly. 
And welcome back. So talking about talking, I guess, uh, we're talking dialogue this week. And I thought it'd be an interesting, an interesting topic because a lot of, you know, so if film, like film is a visual medium. So, but mm. if film is visual, why is dialogue important? Good point. Let's go back to silent films. Yes. All right, cool. <laughs> end, of the, end of the episode. End of the episode. Thank, you, episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs> My social media is... Uh, uh, no, so what, why is dialogue important? Why do we think dialogue is important? Because it helps reveal and motivate character, story, um, pace, plot, and just anything, like, really, right? Like, like you can tell a lot visually, but I think mean, dialogue is always been important because it's such an important aspect of, like, just society in general. Yeah. And even in, even in the talk. silent films... They had title cards. Yeah. Dialogue was there. Dialogue's still present, yeah. Just had to be read. Um, And we've had, like, we've had films since, sorry, we've had sound since 1927 Mm. and it's not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of, you know. You say that, the artist. Well, yeah, but then even then. Uh, Silent Movie by Mel Brooks. Even then. They all had a really poignant moment of synced sound. (laughs) Uh, words are kind of like the specific, I think words are like the communication of ideas mm. and images are the communication of ideas and emotion mixed together. Yeah. So, and like movies are an amalgam of so many art forms. They're kind of, you know, I think why they're so pervasive in society is because they're, they, they, they take a lot from a lot of things and yeah. merge it into one as opposed to theater gets you one thing, music gets you one thing, movies give you both. Yeah. It's just purely both like visually and dialogue are both yeah. intended. To, it's all about expression. That's and they're, what we, and they're both we're important as each other. And when one is abused and abused and the other is just left alone, Lacking, it doesn't yep. work as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And because movies take a lot from theatre specifically, theatre was mm. the movies of pre-movie yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And in the theatre where the word is king, mm. it's going to be a part of... It's going to be a part of movies. Fun fact yeah. on uh, DVD menus, when it says play, that's because movies were originally plays. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Is that? That's from the Zoolander DVD yeah. from 2006. Oh, right. oh God. You just threw a wrench into that conversation. I was You're just like, welcome, guys. I was like, what I'm here you for. said that just a little too sincerely, and I'm like, Is he being real? <laughs> Do I need to break it to him? Shane, you have to remember, I am an actor. Nothing <laughs> oh, I do is real. It's all an illusion. If you couldn't tell already by his enunciation, Chancer did the full hand movement, like, actor. Yeah, yeah. See, this is why visuals and dialogue has to be together, because the people on this podcast aren't getting my dramatic hand movements. Yeah. If you want to see us do a video and film us recording, feel free to message in and say if we get... 50 people saying they want it will make it happen. You just see us like eating a bunch of snacks as well. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like the jelly beans right here. Just going to have one of these. Some, some mean. jelly beans. Cricket a packet right into my um, yeah. Also dialogue. Yeah. Dialogue replicates how humans are used to mm. interacting unless mm-hmm. you're, I, I guess. Um, Deaf and mute. Yeah. Yeah. Helen Keller. Mm. Helen Keller doesn't like movies very much. She likes the silent films. <laughs> uh, isn't Helen Keller also She's blind? blind. Yeah. That's, okay. That's the joke. That's the joke. She likes those Braille movies. <laughs> We just go up to a screen and feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Books, that's Book. the one. Braille. Yes. Uh, so how is dialogue used to convey the story? Through emotion, through talking, through words. Through exposition, exposition, exposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably through exposition as well, I guess. You know. I mean, that's the story specifically. Character is done through emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and character, a lot of subtext is and in character. Exposition can be done through character or through visual. Yeah. Like, 
Um, and dialogue can be laden with subtext, which gives it meaning beyond what's literally said. And mm. it's often aided with sort of like a good performance. Mm. Um, <laughs> often aided with a good performance. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, you know, good dialogue can be delivered poorly, be executed poorly. The dialogue true. can be delivered well. We saw that exactly. at the. Oh, I saw that at the forty-eight hour film project. It was like mm. a film that it just was. I mean, it, you make these films in a weekend, sometimes you struggle with the writing of it, and this film clearly had some difficulties. They had this really good actress, and mm. she was, like, saying these lines, and I was like, I kind of I buy it. Like, mm. and my the writer brain in me knows what she's saying is shit, but she was a really fucking good actor. Uh, actually, Star Wars is a great example of that because Star Wars' dialogue is so wooden and so bland. Very. But mm-hmm. people like Han Solo, wait, what's the name? Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford. had the charisma to pull it off. Uh, something I didn't mention that I watched this week because I forgot. I watched the first 40 minutes of Valerian. Uh, City of City a Thousand oh, And I had movie. to turn it off. Really? But fuck, the dialogue in that is so bad. And if it was literally anyone but Dane DeHaan saying it, I was like, yeah, I could probably buy that. But because Dane DeHaan's saying it, I'm like, you don't, no, fuck off, Dane DeHaan. You don't know what. Yeah, you you should have finished some sleep. it. Get though. some sleep and talk to me. You should have seen I, I really did want to finish it, but Chanel got so mad at me. <laughs> and it was her idea to put the movie on. Just really? saying. She hated it? Yeah, she she was like, this is just so bad. And it was like 40 minutes, and I felt like the story had gone nowhere. I was surprised yeah. that I was 40 minutes in. I was like, well, surely the movie started by now. I feel like I just watched the first part. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was one with just horrible dialogue, and the actors couldn't pull it off. Whereas something like Star Wars, similar thing. Yeah. Terrible dialogue, but the actors were able to do it for the most part until Star Wars Episode 1, 2, and 3. I don't like sand. That's the it's greatest so line of dialogue ever. Sandy, but you you're not Sandy, and that is why I love you. See, now I have to get rid of one of my top five pieces of verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's a good segue. What's the, the what's the actor dialogue relationship? Subtext. I, th- I think subtext is one of the most important things, and an actor who's able to laden their dialogue with subtext mm. gives that dialogue meaning. If they have no subtext, if they just saying what they mean, then. Fuck, could have got a robot to do that. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I think it's like drastically important. A bad actor can make Shakespeare sound bad. We're deliberately, oh, doing, deliberately <laughs> yeah. doing it, as in my case, it's <laughs> yeah. my feature film, Ray Cunhill, never belong to me on demand. Re- rehearsal is important too, because sometimes the director doesn't see certain subtext and the actor brings it out as well. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Um, I think, especially for like writerly writers, people like Tarantino, people like Aaron Sorkin, mm. The the more idiosyncratic the writer, the more important it is to cast it right. Because if you're writing sort of a actiony, we got to go get the MacGuffin to get the yeah. to go into the MacGuffin mobile to get yeah. the MacGuffin thing in the book. Generally, a competent actor should be able to do that. But like, if you're writing like some of the like the like the, the the opening monologue of the newsroom, that yeah. it, it's a completely different beast. It's like yeah. something you got to yeah. really figure yeah. out. Yeah, it's, it's so so specific and so that's that relationship's like deadly important deadly i, I important. remember in a uh, acting school the whole reason they were like forcing shakespeare down our throat they're like you have to learn shakespeare because if you're able to do shakespeare you can do because, anything exactly because so much of what you're saying won't make sense to people because we haven't spoken old english in fucking years and the people who were saying it they were making up the language as they go so you need that subtext so you can understand what happens. Yeah. What, the, the, in that case, the subtext is what's telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. And that way you can say like big scary words that you don't understand, but you're layering it with subtext yeah. in a if way you that you have motivation like, and intent. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, so what, what are the limits of dialogue? Where does dialogue hit 
problems. Well, like we mentioned, even though they are is a tool of exposition, being laid down with exposition is a heavy thing of dialogue. It's so easy to get lost in it as well. Yeah. So easy for it to go wrong um, with exposition because you, you can completely break a story or break, um, break momentum or pace, like yeah. especially in action or like any yeah. really heavy set piece driven films. Like, we were talking, we were mentioning the podcast with Christopher McQuarrie and he was talking mm-hmm. about how, how difficult it is to deal with exposition, especially yeah. like it's, the mission when they have to detail what the mission is yeah. in Mission Impossible, it's such it's just just pages and pages of exposition. Like he he overwrites so he can strip it back so he knows what like, what is necessary for the yeah. scene. And yeah. yeah, and on the other hand, you have the other end of the spectrum where none of the dialogue means anything, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's just there to like fill the gaps. Yeah, if yeah. if you can cut it, cut it. Mm-hmm. You don't need that dialogue there trying to fill out. Yeah. The yeah. next five minutes. And Just don't I've, give us that five minutes. And I've had experience with this. Like with my film recently, I had to cut mm. out, like, stripped out so much. Like Went from 14 minutes to 4.50. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, re- they really reworked that. And now it's, like, got much, like, the intent is so clear now. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. It was, yeah. it was um, getting muddied. And what I like is that, because um, you had this sort of uh, uh, running motif of the what's the worst that could happen, mm. this line of dialogue, what's the worst mm. that could happen, it kind of came up about four times throughout the movie. Yep. And then in the longer version of it, um, it started to lose its 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 meaning. It's weight, yeah, and and the weight, yeah, the weight of it started to kind of go. And it was because both because we heard it, I think, a few too many times, and then also because there was all this dialogue around it. And when we kind of stripped that back, it now suddenly it starts and ends the movie, and it's yeah, a much you more hear powerful. It two times, it's the beginning and the end, mm. and it's a powerful moment now. Yeah, and yeah. it was a great learning experience too in terms of writing. Mm. Mm. Um, I think the big thing as well is that film. You know, we said this at the beginning, film is a medium whose chief purpose is the generation of mythic images. And dialogue is kind of antithetical to that core purpose. Yeah. Um, I think the most powerful moments of a film are baked into imagery, not lines. You can have really great lines, uh, but nothing kind of beats just the images. Like, as good as some lines can be, uh, you're limited by words as you have, like, you're limited by the words you have available to a character, e.g. a limited vocabulary. You can't, if you want, like, really sort of eloquent thing coming out of the mouths of someone who's not eloquent, it's one of the reasons why I had difficulty with 12 Years a Slave because yep. it's this really, there's all this Edwardian eloquent philosophizing on why slavery is bad mm. coming from the mouths of people who would not be able to philosophize Edwardian-like yep. in their dialogue. And I was kind of like, it, it came across as really didactic in the worst possible That's very important. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, no, I had a very... Well, similar experience with a, a script mm. I'd written recently mm. where I specifically have characters being, um, uh, what do you call it when you're not smart? Dumb? <laughs> no, not, 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 not smart when you're, um, no, not no. dumb. Uh, dull. Oh, dull? No, 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 not dull. When, you, when you're not focused on a specific subject, you don't know a lot about this subject, uh, which was PC culture. So these characters, they don't know, like, that much about PC culture. And I sent a script to a person. They're like, ooh, this thing they say isn't quite PC. It's like, you've got to be just like this and this and this. And I'm like, yeah, but these are like average people who wouldn't be so concerned about this one thing. Mm. They specifically say three things that were, they're not like, oh, they're bad, but they're like specifically just against that PC culture. And I'm like, but it doesn't work for their character if I change that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the only concern about it. Yeah, that was yeah. the um, you, that was an example of what I was about to touch on. It's oh, like okay. Knowing, like, write your characters like don't don't set 
I film in like the 1800s and write modern language from right yeah. modern like dialogue. Nowhere, Unless, has any, I haven't seen it, but has Marie Antoinette got modern dialogue? I know it's got like modern music and she wears it's, chucks. It's at all point. like this is the, the key. My point here is like it's all about style and like genre intent, like what you're actually contributing. If you oh, have uh, the death of Stalin is a really great example. Mm. Oh yeah, this. absolutely. Yeah. Like if you set yeah like set a film in eighteen hundreds have modern dialogue but it's meant to be a period piece that yeah. does not work you yeah. need to like really know where you're writing from and know your history and know like, like like make it set in the actual period yeah and it, and I I do agree style is such a big well I guess uh, we'll talk about what makes great dialogue uh, but I just want to touch on it, it, a thing to do with the imagery is that like the bike going across the moon in ET. Yeah. There is not a single line of dialogue that comes close to being that powerful as that image mm-hmm. for cinema. In th- if you're dealing with theater, if you're doing mm-hmm. with like a, a, a lyric in song, it's mm-hmm. a different thing. But in, as far as cinema yeah. goes, there is no great line that is as powerful as yeah. what about, I hate sand. It's coarse <laughs> and it gets everywhere. I agree with that. Like, is I understand, like, even doing the research for this and, like, thinking of, like, my favorite lines of dialogue, it was much easier to come up with my favorite shots or favorite, or favorite moments oh, yeah, and iconography definitely. than dialogue because it gets, there's so much that gets caught up in the brain and everything. And it's yeah. like, yeah. if I really feel like, yeah, I can't, but it's more importantly, framing it right, shooting it correctly, you know, editing it correctly as well. And it's so important for, like, dialogue. Again, Chris McCrory with editing that scene in Kashmir. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And such you can a change scene, the context of a scene. Changing the context of like who you, you cut edit. to. Yeah. Uh, so, what makes great dialogue? <laughs> See, I don't want to say natural because nothing you ever hear. If if you had natural dialogue, it'd be like it'd yeah, be it'd be a Noah Baumbach movie. But yeah, not, exactly. It, but not Mistress America. It'd be it'd be Francis Ha. But somehow <laughs> making purposeful dialogue sound natural. Yeah. Uh, my only trick with that. You say that, but Yorgos Lanthimos is making a career out of not doing, he's doing the opposite of that. So he's a guy who did a movie called The Lobster. Okay, I was about yeah. to say, are you yeah. talking about the guy who does The Lobster? Because, yeah, yeah, he's nah, the Greek filmmaker. And he, he's what he does specifically. I, I learned this and I thought this fascinating because I don't, I've only seen The Killing of a Sacred Deer mm. and I love the visual style. I love that there's a complete voice to it, but I absolutely despise the way they did the dialogue. And part of the reason why, so what he does is he, he uh, I don't know if it's true, his new one, The Favourite, is apparently a little different and it's being co-written and so I believe it's a li- it's got a little bit more vitality to it. Right. But he intentionally wanted it to sound as deadpan and uninteresting as possible. So what he did was he wrote the script in Greek and yep. then <laughs> translated it literally to make the dialogue even more stilted and shitty. You Cost- haven't seen The Lobster? No, I haven't. Have you? So seen what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was the part where she like, I had a dream last night, you were fucking me in the ass. What was that in Greek? Did that I sound more no poetic? I have no idea. I just know there's like a whole conversation <laughs> about like chest hair in the middle of the killing of a sacred deer and, and it's just, it's really weird. And then he has the actors deliver it deadpan. I think that's the thing that bugs me is that I'm like, if you're having the actors deliver it so deadpan, why have you got Colin Firth and Nicole Kim? Colin, uh, anyone can mm. if you wanted it to sound deadpan get an amateur actor who has an actor before because that's going to even make it sound more removed mm. from reality because i think that's his whole thing is he removes he wants to remove it from reality it's absurdist yeah style and i've it's really difficult for me to get into but the favorite looks have you seen the trailer for it no. mm. so it's, i've seen it's, still it's, images uh, yeah. olivia coleman emma stone and it's like British aristocracy just like oh, fucking around. Okay, yeah. in that case I have. I, yeah. I think I showed you the yeah, trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it looks really good and the reviews coming out of Venice just now are like pretty top notch. So nice. I'm really, really keen on that one. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, it's like when dialogue plays like music almost. Yes. 
Um, You're a wanker. <laughs> Hitting the, the key notes, if you will. Is the fourth character in the oh. movie. <laughs> Along with the city. Along with the city. <laughs> that was the wrong episode, Josh. That was like an hour ago. <laughs> I mean, last week. Uh, it's um, called a callback. <laughs> yeah. I think specificity is also a really big thing with dialogue. Yeah. Dialogue that doesn't sound like, like, you know, have you seen those super cuts where people have gone, he's right behind me, isn't he? Yeah, and so oh, now yeah. whenever I hear that line in a movie, I'm just like, no, I'm done. I can't. Yeah. I can't deal with this, a line that I've heard five. Futurama times does it the best when it's like, she's right behind me, isn't she? No, I'm in front of you, and she's it just cuts to the reverse, and she's right behind <laughs> him. That's a great yeah. gag. Uh, that's well when you're riffing on it, yeah. Mm. But like when it's like, I want to, oh when English, please. That one just Oof. drives me nuts. I'm like, he is speaking English, American, please. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone done the joke where it's like English, please, and they just say the entire thing but with an English accent? Oh, no. That's a good one. <gasps> That's amazing. Copyright. We're copyright. Yeah, we're doing that. Uh, I've seen a, a great sketch where they're like, English, please, and then he tries. He just keeps dumbing it right down, and the guy's like, English, <laughs> Oh, yeah, please. I think I've seen that one. <laughs> I think I just probably showed it to yeah, you. Probably. Uh, it's, yeah. Um, oftentimes when people try to write, I, I find another thing is that oftentimes when people try and write quote-unquote meaningful dialogue, it becomes really homogenous. Mm. The thing is that, like, the more specific it is to a character, the more poignant it can be. And a really great example of that is um, in Orange is the New Black, there's one of these characters, a Pensatucky. She's an uneducated, redneck, religious hick. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I won't spoil it, but in in one of the later seasons, a very big character kind of dies, and she has this moment where she's trying to articulate it, and she says, uh, toast can't never be bread again. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's really... That's oh, such yeah. a really poignant way of saying, like, it, it, the, of pointing out the finality of death in not saying, like, we'll never see her again. Da, da, da. Like, like some m- more conventional line there is a lot less meaningful than something so specific to the character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it works for character. Yeah. Story. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, the only way I'm ever able to make my dialogue feel natural in any space is I always give one character the fact that they stumble over their words. And I just, because like, I feel like that we never know what we're saying when we speak. So I feel like we always stumble over our words. So I'll have one character who, whenever he, they try to say something impactful, something meaningful, they stumble around a bit before getting to their point. Especially since your films are all like centered around action set pieces. Then That's not, about you, only the ones I've filmed. Yeah. I'm actually talking about my drama I wrote. Yeah, I wrote yeah, yeah but I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying like, no one rehearses the lines or anything. No, exactly. Action, like, even though you do callbacks to the 80s and everyone has the one line is that's like, it's not realistic. You have people what? like they they realize they're doing one liners and they yeah. kind of like they're yeah. awkward uh, about uh, it. Um, Josh, I can't remember. Did you do Got Brains or were you? Oh, after I, got- I, I okay, did got yeah, brains, yeah. yeah. Uh, then the ever classic is don't ever get between me, me and, and my, my mother's, mother's milk. milk. Yeah, I mean the, the milk I'm getting from my mother, yeah. not my. Uh, okay, <laughs> you're dead. Bye. <laughs> yeah. What's that from? Oh, it was uh, a, an terrib- edit. a, a an terrible edit. thing we had to do for an assignment. Oh, I met the actor. Okay. The- oh, oh, I've known the actor for years. Martin Ingle is a great yeah. guy. I was going to say that's not that's like not on my notes here. But like, how? Do, what are your tips for writing dialogue? Other than that, do you have <laughs> make to- one character who stumbles over his words a lot. <laughs> I think for me is that um, so just, it all comes together in rewrites because I just like write. Um, what I feel, like, the direction of the story, the direction of characters going, and then I rewrite until it feels like either like even though through rewriting I'm technically getting more specific or less rehearsed, and then I rehearse with actors and then find their beats that works for them. And because mm. I, I would cast 
characters first and like that's work on dialogue together because it's sort of yeah. our both of our conceptions is not just mine it's not just my words i'm not i'll say i'm a prick who just says do my words right the first yeah time. I'm not, <laughs> that's so, <yeah>. me <laughs> me and josh we aren't as confident as you uh i i always go okay yeah. this is how i would say it so you say it how you would say it yeah. and we'll work from there i yeah. well i always give i try to give my act so when i like so for red cat in hell i said mm. you are welcome to ad lib it just if you're ad libbing, it better sound like it came from the script. It can't sound right. like, and it can't because my one big thing is I hate when you can tell where the script ends and the ad libbing begins, and it mm-hmm. happens a lot mm-hmm. in Melissa McCarthy movies. And so her better ones are the ones where you kind of can't tell the the, yeah. the blend and the, and the stop between it. It's a great thing about Judd Apatow is that there is no script at all improv, and you have no idea what <laughs> the fuck goes, is going it on. Goes Jesus. For three hours, and it's a comedy supposedly. Yeah. Um, one of my things no I do, like if just on the page is, um, for example, I mean the one of the easiest tricks is because I find a lot of writers, beginning writers have the problem where all the characters sound the same and I'm always falling into this. I have to go in and fix it in my rewrites. Mm. Um, but even something as simple as one character doesn't use abbreviations and the other one does. So yeah. can't, cannot, does, doesn't. Like, like, like does, sorry, does not and does. Something as dead you, simple you as that. You gave me that one, which was great. That instantly, so, just yeah. if you're like reading a script you've never seen before, that instantly makes two voices of character sound different. Um, in Red Curtain Hell, I had to give everyone their kind of uh, little ticks and stuff. So from a certain person, I stole the fact that uh, the, the, the director uses deer a lot oh, yeah. and refers to everyone as deer. Like, oh, don't don't use sarcasm, deer. It makes you look fat. Like yeah. a line like that as opposed to uh, and then and all the characters. Oh, but then you link the characters to the dialogue as well. So in, everyone refers to it as their show. Yeah. But also Harrison everything is possessive. So the, the director of the play, everything is possessive. It's my show, my cast, my thing. It, it's not our show. It's it's never ours. He only uses possessory words. Nice. So, so you build it into sort of the characters, what I try and do anyway, um, with uh, my recent short, which is all dialogue. It's 11 mm. pages of dialogue meant to be done really fast. It, it's, it's trying to find, and that's tricky because the characters are kind of coming from the same place, but one's, comes in with more confidence one has this pseudo confidence so they're almost like saying lines that they've clearly rehearsed as yeah, opposed yeah, to the one yeah. who's just can bring them up on the spot it's a really interesting i like i love dialogue and i used to when i started i used to think i was like an amazing dialogue writer and then i realized that my dialogue was really shit so then i was like i cracked down i'm like shit i think this was this was from carol's from the original draft to the rewrite oh. And the original draft I thought was really good and really funny. We table read it and it wasn't funny at all. And I was in the middle of watching the newsroom. I was like, oh, dialogue. I need good dialogue. So I literally, my rewrite was just adding pages of banter. (laughs) And I realized, oh, I I like the trying to find a rhythm of it. But then and what's happened now is my dialogue is really idiosyncratic. And sometimes I'll have to kind of get in there. And I hate doing line readings with actors, but sometimes I have to because, yep. like, for example, in Red Curtain Hell, there's a bit where a character is going, you need to see this, da, da, and, and then in the script it goes, and, 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 and. It's like seven ands just mm. strung together. Oh, that's another thing you can do in your dialogue. If someone's talking really fast, don't uh, remove your spaces. So, oh my God, you have to see this thing. Right. Oh my god! You have to see this. Or uh, you like like write yep. it out. And writing phonetically is also good. Gonna, yep. shoulda, woulda instead of writing the proper word. Yeah. That just makes it seem more real on the page. And no one because it's dialogue. No one cares about phonetics, like like the spelling and grammar and stuff like yep. that. If it fits the line. Uh, but Hagrid. 
Sorry? Everything Hagrid says. Everything Hagrid, Hagrid says, says in yeah. the Harry Potter books, yes. Yep. Yeah, you, you read any line, and if it's, if, if it's written that way, you're like, oh, yeah, Hagrid said that. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, and I had to kind of come in and tell the actor because he just read he just read Anne seven times on a page, and he assumed he was the character was searching for the, the idea that he was about right. to say. Oh, no, 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 you're excitedly repeating it for emphasis <laughs> on, and building up to what you're about to say, and so it changes the context. So that is one of the problems of writing really idiosyncratically mm. is that then your work with the actors has to be a lot more specific. Yeah. Um, unless you get an actor who can just literally cold read your stuff exactly how you heard it, and you're like, Danny shit, Han. Danny Hahn on Ray <laughs> Curtain Hell, she cold read the scene and was like, yep. Done. Like I said, Camera I fucking ready. cast that thing, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I want to uh, say I've done the same thing recently uh, with one of the grad films at JMC. I've read the script and I was like, I know this actress. Yeah. I've got you the actress. And they like took a while to get in contact with her. And then they did a, a test shoot. And I was, I was, I sneaky contact her and I was like, hey, you got to get in on this test shoot, please, please, please. And literally everyone was on set. It was like, where the fuck did she come from? She's perfect. And I was like, <laughs> you're welcome, everybody. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to end, I think. So we're going to talk top mm. five now and top five oh. favorite lines of dialogue. This is we, a hard one. This was a hard uh, one. It was, hard. it was fun, but hard because there's, there's a lot. And there are a lot of movies with a lot of lines. And so I wanted to try and avoid. So I'll do mine while you guys are searching through. Oh, do you want to? Oh, no, I've oh, got. Okay. I've, I've got four. Josh, you I'll go. Figure out okay, I got, a, I got a long one. Um, so my honorable mentions. How do you have honorable mentions? Jesus. I've got, I've got like because seven honorable mentions. both suck. Because it was difficult to condense it. This is exactly right. Um, so my honorable mentions are Legally Blonde and Mean Girls and... I'd say the most of them, I think, for Lily Blonde, it's like, that was hard. Like, like, like it was hard. Yeah. Just like, or. My favorite you know, one is Donna Stomp, your little last season Prada shoes and me, honey. These aren't last season. <gasps> Enrico's <Rico's> gay. gay. <laughs> That's a great one. Um, also, 12 Angry Men. I forgot to put in my uh, main. I think oh, like yeah. the entire film is just like built around dialogue. Yeah. Sorry, I feel like uh, that. What is it? Dinner at Andre? Dinner my, my Dinner with Andre. My Dinner with Andre. Andre. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. It's on Stan, I believe. Or Foxtel on Go, man, whatever. Yeah. But my first in my top five is from Office Space. It's a character, um, I forget the character's name, but he's the one with like the red stapler. I actually haven't have seen you, Office yeah, Space, yeah, yeah, just yeah, FYI. Yeah. So, okay, you have to say it as he would say it, so go. I, I was trying to, because I got to read it out. But so essentially, like my picks for these were um, in terms of like, because it was really hard to shorten it down, but my reasoning was... Um, all the dialogue that I think helped motivate plot or character it really spoke to me. This is why I chose these, and even in this is one's a more non sequitur one. It's set up and payoff is so great, even yeah. though it's so explicit. So I really like this. Um, oh god, so I really like. And I, I said, I, I too loud. You got to be quieter than that. I, I, I don't care if they lay me off either because I told. I told Billy that if they move my desk one more time, then I, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm going to quit. And I told Don too because they moved my desk four times already this year and I used to be over by the window and I could see the squirrels and then were merry. But then I switched from the swing line to the Boston stapler. But then I kept my swing line stapler because it didn't bind up as much. And I kept the, the staples from the swing line stapler. And oh no, it's not okay because if they make me, if they make me my, my stapler, then I'll, I'll have to, I'll, I'll set the building on fire. <laughs> That's it. That's the line. <laughs> The great and the payoff line. is excellent. And the payoff is excellent, but I won't spoil it because even though you should have watched Up Space, enjoy it. It um, is on the list. It's on yeah, the list. yeah, I reckon you would really enjoy it. Uh, have you seen Superman 3, Shane? No. Because I remember... We established that when oh, I yeah, found out that Martha Kent was yeah. not. Uh, I, I remember uh, in high school, one of the guys was like, he like he was like, yeah, what you can do is you... And he explained the plot of Office Space. And mm. I was like, oh, like Spider-Man, like Superman 3? And it was like, no, like Office Space. And I'm like... <laughs> 
pretty sure that's the plot of Superman doing it. Like, that's nah, definitely yeah. the plot of Office Space. Yeah. And then when I watched Office Space, they're literally like, oh, you mean like the plot of Superman 3? And I was like, fucking knew it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my fourth pick is from In Bruge. Nice. Uh, yep. It's a scene between Harry and Ken on the phone. You mm-hmm. know this one? So I'm going to read it out. This is, um, and this is them discussing Ray. It's just like, so he's having a really nice time then? It's like, well, I'm really, I'm really having a nice time. I'm not sure if it's really his cup of tea. What? You know, I'm not sure it's really his thing. What do you mean it's not really his thing? What's that supposed to mean? It's not really his thing. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Nothing, Harry. It's a fairy tale town, isn't it? How's a fairy tale town not somebody's fucking thing? How can all these canals and bridges and cobbled streets and those churches, all that beautiful fucking fairy tale stuff, how can that not be somebody's fucking thing, eh? Well, I think he, I, I meant to say he was. Is the swan still there? Yeah, there's swans. How can the fucking swans not be somebody's fucking thing, eh? How can that be? <laughs> So what I really love about this dialogue is is this is like the first time you hear um, Harry on the phone and I think it's perfect for character and for setup because it reveals what his intentions are for the rest of the story and why he sent them to Imbruge. So I think it's perfect. My alternative is actually quickly after that scene where he's like um, to his wife, Harry, Harry, it's an inanimate fucking object. You're an inanimate fucking object. (laughs) As soon as you said in Bruges, I assumed it would be that line. No, it was the one before (laughs) it, but then I had to include it anyway. Yeah, you've got to include that line. Yeah. Uh, My fourth pick is also um, character revealing and it motivates the rest of the story. It's from Drive. It's just a a quick interaction between um, the driver and Bernie, who's the main um, antagonist of the film. It's like, my hands are a little dirty. And then after a brief pause, he's like, so am I. It's basically revealing they're both involved in crime. It's a really cool line. Uh, My number two is, I'm not going to tell you the the film yet. I'm just going to read it out loud. But I feel like this line of dialogue or this little speech here is like coming after a brilliant scene and then the rest of the lines, and this is a sort one, so you probably guess it. But um, you're probably going to be a very successful computer person, but you're going to go through life thinking that girls don't like you because you're a nerd. And I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, that won't be true. It's because you're an asshole. And that's from the social network. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. That's, I, such, I that's think, from the opening scene. That's from the opening yeah, scene. I think the, that yeah, cuts, off, it cuts off a brilliant opening scene, but also sets the tone and pace for the rest yeah. of the dialogue yeah. throughout the film. And my number one pick is from Silence of the Lambs, because it has to be. It's like one yeah, of my favorite of films. Um, and this is also another... The census taker tried to test me once. Yeah, it, it, it is it. in that one. It actually is in that <laughs> oh, one. Really? No, I was going to do that one, but I think it's more um, character building relationship-wise between Hannibal and Clarice. It's um, when he's like, you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes. You look like a rube, a well-scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition's giving you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor white trash, are you? Agent styling. And that accent you've tried so desperately to shred. Pure West Virginia. What does your father do? Is he a coal miner? Does he stink of the lamp? You know how quickly the boys found you. All those tedious, sticky fumblings in the backseats of cars. Well, you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way to the FBI. And then Clarice replies, you see a lot, doctor, but are you strong enough to point that high-powered perception at yourself? What about it? Why don't you, why don't you look at yourself and write down what you see? Or maybe you're afraid to. I think I like that, and all the way to the FBI. Yeah, God, that 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 performance. Yeah, that's, that's a, your number one. Yeah, that's my number one. I, like all the deliveries are just. Perfect. Have, have you I, seen uh, the deleted scene from Silence of the Lambs where um he, it's his big monologue that's in the book about who Bill is mm. and how he he talks about how he thinks he's a uh, uh, transsexual but he's not and blah 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 and it's a a long long like. 
monologue with like uh, all this subtext and all this, but the whole thing is just one low angle shot of uh, Anthony Hopkins like tearing up. Oh. And I was like, it would be awesome if this didn't fit the movie whatsoever in anywhere. Yeah, no. yeah, but good old Jonathan Demme framing it from low angle. Yeah, no, as well. it was great. Um, do you want to go next to Shane? What I'll do, go. What I'll are you go. Shane? I've got a couple. So I've got some yeah. honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, so first one is. <sighs> I'm just one stomach flew away from my gold weight from <laughs> The Devil Wears Prada. I was going to say. It's such a perfect encapsulation I of her think entire I've been character. sharing so much about The Devil Wears Prada recently as well. Oh, there's also, it's like, no, no, wasn't a question. No, no. Uh, or or that, that that great that bit. So you, it's almost comical that you think you with you like that when she just dresses. It's like, it's like the Hannibal scene. It's the scene where he she just dresses down. Andy in like one monologue, and mm-hmm, he does yeah. the same thing. In, yep. in that. those kind of scenes are really fucking cool. They're great in movies when they're done well. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a terrible one. I just think people don't try. But um, I also put like the whole of Mean Girls, Get Over It, and His Girl Friday. Yeah, they just yep. you know, there's a great line in His Girl Friday is like, "Take Hitler and stick him on the funny page." It just like, it's got these really great moments. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the classic. This is one of the most well known classics. Is, Gentlemen, you can't fight here. This is the war room. From Doctor Strange, yeah, of yeah, it's like these lines that just encapsulate the entire film in yeah. one mm. line. Um, Ocean's Eleven, the 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 remake, the Soderbergh remake, had one that I really liked. A sneak exchange between George Clooney and Julia Roberts, oh, and yeah. it's about your new man. He's like, oh, you know, she's like, oh, he's da da da. He says, yeah, but does he make you laugh? I was he goes, about to say. Mm-hmm. he doesn't make me cry. And it's like, oh, it's just like that's like one of those subtext laden, really great Absolutely. kind of moments. Yep. Um, in Clue. Communism was just a red herring. <laughs> no matter which ending you watched. Yeah, yeah. Every every ending is just is great. Um also recently the You Get to Breathe Now monologue from Love Simon. Oh yeah. Breaks me. Just breaks me. Um and then the ending of Some Like It Hot, which have you you haven't seen it, have you, Josh? Oh, nobody's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I was saying uh, that about Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the movie either. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my top five. <laughs> Um, oh no! Wait, I'll put in. I'll put in one more because okay, we're, we're we're running a little short today, so we, we've got some time. I got a line from Veep. <laughs> this isn't good. one of those dress down things. Except Veep I is, thought we're overrunning with my darling on glass. Uh, Veep <laughs> is very well known for uh, these great vicious lines, and so this is Selena's confronting a congressman who's going to turn around and vote against her instead, and she goes, <laughs> "And this is like, I'll do my best, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. You're playing a." Very dangerous game of chicken with the head fucking hen. Because if I don't win the White House, O'Brien is going to sink your stupid boats and you're going to look like the hair-sprayed asshole in your 1980s Mother of the Bride dress. And if I do win, I will have my administration come to your shitty little district and shake it to death like a Guatemalan nanny. And then I'm going to have the IRS crawl so far up your husband's colon, he's going to wish the only thing they find is more cancer. <laughs> and I remember when that line happened in the show, I just was like, I was like, holy fuck, she's awful. But uh, that that whole show is just filled with mm. great one-liners. I love that you've made a fuck up the size of France. <laughs> but anyway, so my number five is uh, an exchange from 30 Rock, the pilot episode. Liz walks in and she sees Jack Donaghy in, in a full uh, formal year and she's like, why are you wearing a tux? It's after six. What am I, a farmer? <laughs> it just, it's, I mean, that show is full of great, especially Jenna has some, some wonderful one-liners. Um, number four, and it's a really well-known one, but Carpe Diem. 
Mm-hmm. Seize the day, boys. You can't you yep. can't go without that. It's so inspiring. And Robin yes. Williams, Robin Williams delivering that. That's sort of the peak of his he because he's such he's so well known for the big moments and he mm-hmm. can do those little moments so powerfully. Mm-hmm. Um my third is uh, number three is you is kind, you is smart, you is important from the help. Is that such a great Mm. motif and it's and it's again it's that thing we were talking about it being specific to a character the language the, it's not you're smart you're kind you're important you is smart you is kind you is yep. important and the fact that it's this bro it, it's sort of the the less formal english and it's transferred to the, the the young daughter who is white from a woman who is not and so and the fact that she's repeating it in the same uh cadence is really really poignant to that and then that's just like a great thing if you're having a bad day look at yourself in the mirror and just say that and <laughs> guarantee you you start to feel a little bit better it's really really beautiful um in the newsroom uh not the opening monologue although i do love that opening monologue mm-hmm. i tried to memorize it once <laughs> <laughs> just because but no um it's right at the end of the pilot and it's after they do their big broadcast have you guys seen the newsroom i've seen the first oh, i've seen the first episode. Episode. Yeah. yeah yeah um it's they sit down and sam waterston's there and he goes uh in the good old days of about 10 minutes ago, we did the news well. You know how? <laughs> we just decided to. And that like n- that moment of we just decided to, because that's what the episode's called. Is the, the pilot is called We Just Decided To. And it's so, so powerful to me. You're just very slowly eating that jelly bean and <laughs> ruining my moment. I was where trying I'm to be quiet, but failing. <laughs> v- failing very badly. I'm um, don't worry. I just know, like that. That line really hit me in a way that I hadn't heard a line on television hit me before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number one, still potentially a controversial movie now, but it's the ending monologue from American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was the first time I heard a thing in a movie, and I was like, "Fuck that!" That cut to. Uh, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it, it's the um, uh, I, I and then it flows through my brain, and I can't help but feel. Nothing but gratitude for every single moment of my stupid little life. You have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm sure, but don't worry. Cut to black. You will someday. And I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm literally giving myself chills just saying it out loud. That was like the moment where that that held me for two days captive. That single moment in that movie. Such a great piece of writing. Such a great piece of filmmaking. It's nice. Anyway, chance to. Um, so, uh, my line of dialogue is, uh, um, so like I always say, my favorite parts in movies are human moments where people make mistakes, yep. where they say something kind of like that doesn't really, it, it fits them it fit, and it fits being human, which I love. So my first one is very obvious because it's literally at the start of each episode. Listen, do you smell that? Race dance, Ghostbusters. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. just a small moment that's I find hilarious mm. and really yeah. human. Uh, oh yeah, I also forgot. Hello, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and put the cookie down. Of yep. course, um, come on. My uh, number four quote is uh, well, line of dialogue. Sorry, is from Shaun of the Dead. Yep. It's no, it's not. It's fucking Sunday, and every other fucker in my fucking department is fucking ill. So can you see why I'm so fucking angry? Fuck yeah. I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then just seeing uh, Peter Saranofowicz's uh, reaction to that yeah, yeah. is just is just brilliant. I felt I need to revisit that movie again because it was my least favorite of the Conetto trilogy, but I feel like it's really? a lot better than I think it is. Mm. I agree. <laughs> um, so my next one is same sort of thing. It's from The Nice Guys and Spoiler Oh, yes. There's going to be a bit of that here. Um, so it is... Uh, 
It, it's it's when they're in the diner yeah. and uh, the daughter goes, Budum Tish. He goes, what are you doing? Uh, I was giving you a rim job. Rim shot! <laughs> rim shot! I just love that little moment. <laughs> Number two, also from the nice guys. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, the nice guys has like some of the best style I've ever heard in that movie for these human moments, such as when they're in the elevator. And they're just standing there, like, together, silently. And then Holland's like, Munich. What? Guy without balls. A Munich. Munich is a city in Germany. Munich, München. You sure? Yeah, my dad was stationed there. Right. Hitler only had one ball. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a non sequitur, but... Yeah. Yeah. Once again, it's a very human moment, because it was literally, like, five minutes after they had had that conversation, and he brings it back. Um, and my number one is, I hate sand. <laughs> it's coarse. <laughs> and it gets no, no, <laughs> okay, fine. It's not. Um, it's actually, uh, well, I'm going to make this one like a, cause I only just thought of it then. Cause it was a very similar moment to that, <laughs> which was from shallow Howl when, uh, is shallow Howl is not, number, not number one. <laughs> it's not my one. It's I was gonna, mention. I was like, I, I literally forgot about that moment until I just said that, that one there, which was when. Gwyneth Paltrow is cancelled. <laughs> She's just cancelled. She's well. Awful. It's not the same way. It's Jason Alexander and Jack Black, and they're just sitting there. And I forget. Oh, oh yeah, he's like, oh, at least mine's bigger. Yeah, bigger than a mouse's. Yeah, well, what was that? I was, just, I was saying it, it's bigger than. It's like, no, you can't, you can't. It's the moment is gone. <laughs> it's not called a slope. I, I just like that moment of slow reaction oh, and yeah. coming back. And finally, my number one is from the Nice Guys. <laughs> Oh, really? I uh, no that. Frank Oz in here? Oh, uh, yeah. no. Well, Frank Oz is a director, not a writer. Shane Black is probably my favorite director. Uh, Although yeah. Dean Craig is like a great writer, and like for some reason I always love his movies, I didn't think of any of them. Oh, no. In fact, you know what? Fuck it. It's from Caffeine. My number one moment is from Caffeine, which is so I was in this, so I just got my cock out, right? <laughs> Going to take a piss, and this little girl pops up at the end of the. Like, this is 10 o'clock at night. What she's doing out here at a time like this? But what I don't realize is I've still got my cock in my hand. So she runs off. She's got this horrified look in her face. And she runs off saying there's a, there's a pervert wank, uh, wanking off in the alley. Wanking off? It's just a great line. <laughs> it's really for the wanking off. But yeah, no, the whole... Movie. Yep, fuck it. That's my number one now. Is it true that there is a place in a man's head where if you shoot it, it will blow up? <laughs> Actually, it's right. Yeah. Anything. Hey, oh, absolutely. Done. Uh, oh, uh, fish isn't vegan. Oh no, chicken yeah. isn't vegan. Chicken isn't vegan. <laughs> I was gonna. I wasn't gonna like um, mention any good wife quotes because I haven't like explored the depth of like what the show has to offer yet. But I was like, I like the one where it was like, oh, the the stripper was prostituting, and she's like, like the and it's like. Your, your your stripper was a hooker and they're like hookering out and she's like, why is it when it's when it's my when it's my stripper when it's my problem? Well, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good fight has some great monologues, especially from Diane. There's some great moments in there. Oh, I, I don't have them right. written down. Uh, so that's a really good place. And let us know what your favorite quote is. Mm. We'll uh, send it in to us. We are at uh, on Facebook at the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Picture Rangers. You can find me on in, uh, Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson. Find me on Twitter at that, that Sundance KD or Caps in at Letterbox at Joshua Grigg. You can find me on Instagram at The Chance Star. Speaking of which, you know what movie has really great dialogue? 
is Red Curtain Hell now available on Vimeo? What's your on favorite demand? line from that one? Um, oh, easily. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, sarcasm makes you look fat. Oh, don't do sarcasm, dear. It makes you look fat. That one. I, I just uh, love that bit. Um, it never gets as much of a look because everyone's kind of like nervous to laugh because they were because <laughs> it's such a mean thing. But then I hit them with the with the horrible <laughs> Down syndrome line. Yeah, like two moments later, and they're just like, "Oh my god, no." But yeah, to understand what we're talking about there, Red Curtain Hell now available on Vimeo On Demand. That's vimeo.com slash on demand slash Red Curtain Hell. You can use the code PITCHERANGERS for 20% off your rental purchase. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We have been the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers, and we'll see you again next week. Bye. 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 You know what's got great dialogue? Becca. Becca.